Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsboro, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 130, Epsilons and Deltas. Back when I was doing student teaching in a public high school, I asked the teacher I was working with how to handle the lesson on Epsilon-Delta proofs. He told me not to bother, as they always skipped that one. If you remember these things from calculus class, it's somewhat understandable. To the vast majority of students, an Epsilon-Delta proof is some arcane mechanical procedure they're forced to memorize and execute without ever understanding the point. And skipping them is also kind of justifiable in an introductory class, since the basic concept of calculus existed for several centuries before anyone reached the level of rigor where this stuff was defined. This lack of rigor actually led to a bit of controversy, as I pointed out back in Podcast 65, where I talked about philosopher Bishop Berkeley's claims that calculus required as much faith as Christianity. In the 19th century, Bolzano and Cauchy closed this hole, providing rigorous definitions of limits and continuity, including what we now know as the Epsilon-Delta proof. At its heart, the Epsilon-Delta concept is a simple, formal statement about what we mean by limits and continuity, and I think understanding it can really improve your intuition about some basic mathematical concepts. To start with, let's ask the question, what does it mean for something to be continuous? Let's make the problem more concrete by looking at a volume slider on your iPod. For the sake of discussion, let's assume this is a small bar on the screen that can slide up to 100 millimeters from the bottom. In the bottom position, the sound is off and the volume is 0 decibels. In the top position, the sound is fully on for a volume of 100 decibels. Naturally, this position is reserved for listening to your math mutation podcasts. But what does it mean to say that this volume control is continuous? Well, as you slide the lever from the bottom to the top, you expect the sound to smoothly get louder gradually as it rises. If some position causes a sudden jump to 100 decibels and back down, or sliding past some other position causes it to instantaneously drop to a much quieter level, you would say that it's not continuous. The confusing part comes if you point at some spot on the control, say the exact center or 50 millimeter mark, and say, is this control continuous here? It's hard to answer if the control is continuous at that point without wiggling it around a little. After all, when it's just sitting at the middle and playing at 50 decibels, you don't know how the overall control behaves. This was one of the sticking points of early calculus. Fundamentally, it tried to talk about motion or change at individual points, while every individual point is inherently static. But if you wiggle things a little, you can quickly see that moving it one way, you'll smoothly get a little more than 50 decibels, and wiggling the volume lever the other way, you'll get a little less, with the change being related to how much you move the lever. We need to somehow make use of this fact to clearly define continuity. To do this a little more rigorously, let's say you know that it's hard to get the volume lever at a precise point, but want to guarantee an error within one decibel of that 50 decibel mark. So you want the volume to be between 49 and 51 decibels. We should be able to identify a range on the volume slider, in this case a distance of one millimeters on either side of that center point, such that as long as you're at least that close to the center, your error will be in that one decibel range you want. In other words, we've said that if the slider is truly continuous, it should be the case that for any arbitrary point, if we want our error to be within some designated range, say one decibel, then we can find a distance such that if we're at least that close to our target point, we'll be within that error range. For those of us with shaky fingers on our iPod, that's pretty useful. And this is precisely the epsilon-delta definition. The Greek letter epsilon can be thought of as specifying the desired error range, and the delta represents the distance that we're allowed. 
In calculus class, this probably sounded a lot more complicated. I'm not sure why, when trying to describe basic concepts, many textbooks devolve into a muddle of arcane symbols. I think math stuff sounds a lot more impressive when you throw in lots of Greek letters, even if this isn't optimal for the reader's comprehension. Sadly, I've seen many high school math teachers who never quite grasped this concept either. The epsilon delta proof is really just a precise statement that to discuss continuity and limits, we need to directly re relate the expected error to the distance from each point. A basic intuition about this error versus distance, or epsilon versus delta concept, is invaluable in many areas of modern mathematics. And this has been your math mutation for today.